What steps are some healthcare entities taking to better prevent falling victim to zero-day attacks, ransomware, and other cyber attacks? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Pete Jacob, Manager of IT Operations and Infrastructure at Fisher Titus Medical Center in Ohio. Pete will describe how his nonprofit community hospital is bolstering its data security. So, Pete, as we know, the healthcare sector has become a bigger bullseye for cyber attacks. Can you please tell us a little bit about the sorts of challenges that you're dealing with lately and how these threats have been evolving? One of the biggest problems we have is with antivirus that can keep up with the latest threats and the latest malware that people are, are getting infected with, either through emails or through web adjunct sites on uh, legitimate websites. And, you know, as we all know, that antivirus basically has been dead for the past few years because primarily because it just deals with signatures and new signatures can be basically purchased on the black market very inexpensively. And we're looking at alternative solutions that we're getting ready to implement. One of them is through Palo Alto called Traps, and it's not based on a traditional signature. It's more based on the different types of activities that malware and Trojans and just bad programs altogether would do, and it stops those. So, Pete, what steps are you taking, for instance, to bolster security of medical devices and to block potential cyber threats from disrupting network services that do impact vital patient care, whether it's medical devices or other systems? That's actually a really tough question. I feel like medical equipment, and sometimes they call that BMDI, it's kind of like the Internet of Things where everyone's talking about the refrigerator getting infected and their blender and TV and stuff like that. BMDI equipment is very similar. A lot of times those things don't have very good operating systems or the vendors don't even let us have access to that. So we have to rely on some of our firewalls and our and our other Palo Alto type devices that we have that would limit that kind of equipment and, and monitor it. So now, Pete, a lot of healthcare organizations over the last year or two have been targeted for ransomware, or they've become victims of ransomware and other sort of extortion sorts of attacks. Has that been a problem at all for your organization? And what steps have you been taking to prevent falling victim to these sorts of attacks? We definitely have had that issue. It has not been super wide scale. It's been more departmentalized, which is very fortunate for us. And we were able to recover with with backups and that sort of thing. But like I talked earlier, we're getting ready to roll out traps from Palo Alto. And that product is the next generation that's going to be able to, to combat those types of threats. So, Pete, what other sorts of challenges are you facing these days in terms of protecting credentials of privileged users, for example? What steps are you taking to address some of those challenges beyond what you're doing with the Palo Alto product? We try to use two-form factor authentication, something you know and something you own. Unfortunately, the medical industry, a lot of the software, is a little bit behind, and a lot of our vendors kind of control our destiny, so I speak. So we're looking at more vendors that support more things like dual-form factor authentication. And in terms of the dual-factor authentication, what sorts of authentication? Would it be passwords and something else? So what sorts of things are you looking at? 
Like a physician is remote and he wants to prescribe meds, one thing he'll have to do, we either have a DigiPass token along with a password or a password along with something called Phone Factor that was its own product. I think Microsoft owns it now, but what it does is it, it calls you, you authenticate in with a little pin code, and then you put your regular credentials in. And how has the team of clinicians and physicians been in terms of using multi-factor authentication? Often you hear that some clinicians will push back on anything that takes maybe you know an extra minute or two or extra few seconds to access patient care. How have you been able to sort of convince them that this is the way you got to go? Yeah, no, that's actually very perceptive because anything they can kind of get away with not having to do, they're going to try to do, or they'll try to get someone else to do that for them, either something a little bit legitimately like a scribe or maybe a nurse, which is not approved. But they've actually been pretty good with it. I know the State Board of Pharmacy requires that, so we've been able to kind of leverage that. But for the most part, we just really have to make sure that the technology works. And once we've done that, then they'll kind of buy into it. So, Pete, when it comes to ID and access management, what are your top challenges these days and how are you dealing with them? For instance, are you using any sort of role-based access and ID management? Well, our EMR is Cerner Healthcare, and those positions are their role-based positions, so that really helps out a lot. And so how does that work? If they're a physician, do they have access to certain patient information or does it depend, for instance, if you know a nurse is working one floor versus another floor? Or how does that work? A physician, he'll only have access to his patients and a nurse will only have access to the patients that she's assigned to. And then we have mechanisms on the back end that basically track access. And we can access that through a product called P2 Sentinel from Cerner. And is it pretty easy to detect if someone is doing something that they're not allowed to do based on their role or based on those controls? Yes. And if we feel that there's been a violation, then we will hop on P2 Sentinel and we'll run reports and take a look at it. And now, Pete, we've talked about steps that you're taking to protect patient data. What about other systems in your organization, for instance, the financial systems, payroll, or even things like the air conditioning system and other systems within the hospital environment that are important to protect and present other challenges, perhaps? What are you doing there and what sorts of challenges are you dealing with? A big problem that we're dealing with is we're getting a ton of whaling campaigns going after, like, our C-level people, and they're generating very crafty emails from people in our financial departments like AP and, and our controller. And luckily, we've been able to, to stop a lot of these. We're looking to actually, with our email, partner with someone called Proofpoint, who will help us with a lot of that. It's kind of a email filtering in the cloud, so to speak. And I, I think that they're also a Palo Alto partner so that they actually proxy a lot of the, uh, let's say, hyperlinks inside of emails, and they just have a little bit better protection. And finally, Peter, looking ahead to the rest of 2017, any other challenges that you are facing that you plan on tackling? And if so, what sorts of cyber challenges or, or even insider sorts of challenges and what will you be doing? I think for us, just the things that I listed with traps is going to be huge for us. It's, it's really going to 
put us at the next level. I'll be able to sleep a little bit better. And then dealing with or having implemented Proofpoint this year as well will, will help us. And it's just the healthcare IT industry is very fast-paced. And obviously with the new leadership in Washington, where I'm personally curious as to what's going to happen, and I think that's a big deal. And we're just a small to mid-sized rural hospital, privately owned, and kind of not the norm anymore. It's kind of a unique situation. Thanks, Pete. I've been speaking to Pete Jacob of Fisher Titus Medical Center. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.